Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Keith Foster. I write the comics Kadoja, Three Protectors, and Animals. And I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift, Wanders of Melisanda, and Paradise Hills for the Accidental Aliens. Yes. Aliens. You are. I said aliens. Ali- it, like aliens with like a Z, like a hip hop Z at the end? No, with like a G for some reason. <laughs> like a, like onion rings, but alien it's the, rings, It's the Fre- French pronunciation of aliens with a G at the end. That's right. Um, hon, hey, hon. beer. Hall, oh, Mr. Beer. What uh what what beer what beer are we kicking or seltzer or whatever booze you got? What you got? Well, I guess I'm doing a little preview for our uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion weekend because I had taken a picture and I sent it to you and Gary of a pickup I got at Costco. Costco has this great deal on the Harlan Brewing Company. It is a 12-pack, and it's six Japanese lagers and six hazy IPAs, which might as well be named the Making Comics Box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> those are two beers that you and I both enjoy very much. Uh, you yeah. some, you more so the Japanese lager and me For more sure. so the hazy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm actually busting open a can of the hazy ipa today from harlan brewing company and that's 16 ounces and it is 6.5 percent actually this is more than i thought it was um i thought the this and the japanese lager were around five five and a half so it's actually six and a half not too bad bonus that's like a bonus one and a half percent per yeah, ounce man. that's amazing hell that's yeah. awesome hell yeah mate you know costco harlan you're missing a fucking opportunity here, okay? We told you last week. We told you what our stats are. We have more listeners than there are people on planet Earth. That is such <laughs> such a great opportunity for you guys to collab. Like, you have any idea how many listeners that is? It's more than 7 billion. I'm just saying. We actually have 10 billion. 10 billion unique listeners. It's just weird the way that works out. And half of them are beer drinkers. And they could be At purchasing least. your beer if you exactly. would only sponsor us. And we're not exactly. asking for money. We're asking us to just send us unlimited amounts of beer. <laughs> really, really enable our problem. That's what we want. We want you to be enablers. We've mm-hmm. made our case. We've made our case. It's practically um, hey, a free um, exchange for you guys. You guys are making exactly. money hand over fist. You'll be making even more so after you send us these beers. The ears of 10 billion listeners wait for you. That's, That's all true. I got to say. Um, okay, science. so hey, <laughs> so for me, uh, hey, we're busting open some shit. I sent you. I sent you a picture from a couple hours ago because today was glorious, glorious, once a quarter, pick up my beer from the uh, Lazy Dog Beer Club day. And uh, as as I'm sort of figuring this out, you know, Lazy Dog doesn't make a lot of these beers. They simply serve as the matchmaker for a brewery to either make something cool, especially for them, or uh, for people to collab on beers, which is very cool. So I have this. This is Figueroa Mountain Brewing Company. I believe they're out here somewhere. They sound familiar. Let me take a look. Um, oh, no, no, sorry. Yeah, actually, Figueroa uh, Mountain is from the Central Coast, and they did collab in collaboration with Melvin Brewing in Wyoming. So we are going all over the West here. But this bad boy is uh, called the Cryotechnic Spectacular New Zealand-style pale ale. A stunning combination. Stunning. Of hops shine brightly in this New Zealand-style pale. Um, I gotta say, man, this is really good. This is is quite delicious. As you can see here, it pours clear. Mm Mm-hmm. So it has the, I mean, it's a pale, 
IPA is India Pale Ale, so it makes sense that this would this would taste a lot like a hazy. It's got that that new hazy feel, um, but they probably filtered it clean, and that's what makes it so interesting. So yeah, man, really tasty. Not as much punch though, five and a half percent. So that's okay. That's okay. I'm good. I'm good with five and a half percent. We're just gonna sip. I don't. I actually, Scott, I had the option. Uh, between this and a absolute monster of an ABV, and I got to be in the right mood for that. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bear, tip the lead here that at some point in a podcast coming up, it is a 12 ounce beer and it is 19.3 percent oh alcohol. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> Fucking Christ. right, yeah, and it's a golden, which is even crazier. It's like a oh. Trappist golden. So hey, this this is like this is well, now encouraging listeners. This is encouraging listeners to hang around for uh, for a future episode because I'm going to crack that open and I'm going to get just quite stupid. Was that also part of the the pack? No, that was actually one I got through Tavor. Um, okay. One, if you want to call it a downside, um, or let's just call it one aspect of the Lazy Dog beers is they don't go high gravity. Like the highest gravity beer I've seen so far in my couple months is about eight, eight and a half. So they don't get up into those like stratospheric, ridiculous ABVs that we tend to float in quite a bit ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to get a lot of fives to eights. And that as a result, you get a lot of really tasty, nice drinking stuff, including this. So uh, so speaking of drinking this, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to drink this. And you're going to tell me about the first thing you did this week. Well, this was a huge week. This was such a change for the last month or so um, for all you listeners out there. Um, this was a seven panel week. Oof. So, yeah. So I managed to knock out seven panels of Paradise Hills. And so the struggle bus is I'm off of it. And uh, we, we're in a nice flow state. And um, I was able to knock out a page basically in... I don't know, like three or four days. Um, and there was two other panels on uh, two other pages that I had a good majority done, but I needed to to tighten up some stuff and I needed to add a whole lot of background. And so that just eats up time. Mm-hmm. And But I had the character work done. So um, I was able to knock out that page and then finish those two other panels. And so that shot my total to four pages done just like that. So yeah. it was a seven panel week. But it was a three-page week, which is crazy, mm. and that's and that's what happens when you do the Slack method. Is when you bounce around, you'll just have these half panels or, or three-quarter panels that are complete, and you just knock it out, and before you know it, that page is done because you were just waiting on this one little bit. So um, that was a great benefit to that, and uh, yeah, man, like I was saying, I'm I'm just in this real nice flow state with it i ran some stuff by you and gary some issues i was having with a page like well choices not so much issues but kind of choices on like a visual aspect of one panel Mm -hmm. and um yeah and it it even gave me the chance to kind of do some color testing as well just because i wanted to show you guys like roughly what that panel would look like colored yeah, and uh, so crudely done by my hand, and and Joaquin will crush it as he always does once he takes over. Um, but yeah, just kind of the the idea of what I want the story to look like, and um, I'm really happy. I'm really happy with where everything's going, and I actually managed to squeeze a backer in from the previous second shift Kickstarter that just happened. Um, mm. One, there was a guest star tier. And it was a returning backer, this dad, he puts his daughter in the comics. So if you read Second Shift 13, there's a little girl in the comic book store. She appears in Paradise Hills. And um, I had run it by him. I was like, hey, man, it's going to be like a good amount of time before I get to Second Shift 14 because I have to do these two other books. But this one book that I'm doing, it has little kids in it. And, you know, do you want 
do you want her to be in that book? And he goes, yeah, man, do it. And it works so perfectly because she has a nice solidified role in this as opposed to just kind of being in the comic book store like she was previously. Like mm-hmm. this, she's actually out and doing things. And so she's a character in the story. So, you know, like we talked about that on the pod where, you know, if you back these projects and you get these guest star tiers, like you have the possibility to become just a character always mm-hmm. in the story. You know what I mean? So like moving forward, this she's going to be in the next installation of Paradise Hills because she's a character in the story. So it's cool yeah. for them. It works out for them. And hey, I have a new character to work with that I really don't have to think about. And um, it, uh, another cool part is this girl has her own style. She kind of has like this preppy style. She always looks like she's in a uniform, but it's kind of mm-hmm. like done differently. She wears stuff a little baggy. She has like a skirt with leggings so she's she's pretty cool man i like her style and it just kind of adds something to the story without me having to do too much thinking in it because she's actually a real person and just putting her in there uh works so much differently than the other characters in it nice nice um you know you okay one of the big thoughts i've been having today and it's because i happen to listen back to our previous episode this week um, as you guys know, we we record with a buffer, and the main reason we record with a buffer is because we have active, busy schedules, and our busy schedules could wreak havoc on the possibility of like recording three or four days before it airs. We don't want to take that because you know we might be out of town, we might be this, so that's why we do the buffer. So as a result, I was listening back to our last episode today, and uh, I was really starting to think about there was this part where you talked about. Um, the 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 super indie guy with the he has the kid and he was wearing an accidental alien shirt at oh, yeah. comic book day so mm-hmm. he bought he bought anything new of yours and he bought everything of mine and something i was thinking about that's not necessarily i don't think main topic worthy but great to insert here is how important it is to just keep on having stuff you know it's people like that that motivate me to make sure i am still making comics to make sure I am still churning out two, three comics a year, whatever it's going to be. I mean, I do, you know, look, Gary Hodges does one comic uh, every every so often, because maybe every year, every year and a half, because his are so huge. His comics are essentially yeah. triple comics. You yeah, know, they're so, like 67 to like 71 pages yeah. or something like yeah, that. Monsters. Yeah, they're monsters. Yeah, they're ba- mm-hmm. graphic, sh- small graphic novels, basically, right? So in my case, two, three books, like if I can put that out, I'll feel really good about myself. Same. And... I'll feel great that this person has something else to buy, something new to buy, because they're going to, you know, the super backers out there, they're going to want to buy something. They're going to want to keep current on you. And now it's on you to keep on churning out stuff and stories so that those kind of people are are able to back, you know, back whatever projects you're you're working on. Yeah, I, I feel like that every year, every time I do a convention that I had done the previous year, I think... What if these people show up to my booth and they're looking for the next issue of whatever? Like, what was the last thing they bought? Is there going to be something new for them there? And so that's my high motivation every single year to make sure I'm getting these books out. Well, not only do I want to have new things for everyone else, I want to have new things for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I got a lot of story to tell. Like, me and Ed have... I think about 30 issues of second shift planned and we've had those planned since the inception, uh, more or less. And so it's just like, dude, I need to get to them. I need to be faster. You know, the faster I can get, the more of these things I can draw and the more of the stories that we've wanted to tell, we can get done. And then me and Ed can think of new stories that we want to do. And because it's just, 
you know, it can be like as, you know, we're, we're in year 10, you and I, you, me and Ed, we're all in year 10, right? Mm -hmm. So we're relatively new creators in the overall grand scheme of things. And there's so many stories that we do have in our brains that we want to share with the world. So, and it's like, I'm constantly thinking of new stories like, oh, hey, I can do this. I can do that. You know, when we create a story and it has uh, the new character, that issue, something happens with them, whatever it is. And then that eventually leads to you thinking, well, what happens to them after? What happens in the next story? And then you get these other ideas like, man, that would be a great story. It's just like, well, that goes in the back of the list because there's so many things that we're trying to get done and every story we do creates a new story and and so on and so forth so mm-hmm. yeah another motivation to getting these books done uh, um number one like you said for those fans out there that are coming back to the shows every year or every six months or whatever the case is whenever you're doing these shows um you want to make sure and and that particular fan yeah it's it's free comic book day every year so it's just like mm-hmm. yeah he's totally going to pick everything up because he is like a super fan he enjoys indies and uh you know he he likes to um take care of the creators he likes to support and like that's all we can ask for so what we got to do is yeah. hold a bar in and create the new stuff yeah, yeah, and and I bring that back to the idea of small increments. You know, big wins through small increments. We've talked about this before, but I like bringing it up again. You know, you had a great week. You had a lot of panels. To everybody out there, you know, if you're writing two pages a day or doing the editing equivalent of two pages a day, or you're doing a panel a day, you've got 52 panels in a year. You know what I mean? Like uh, you've got a page, sorry, you've got a page a week. If you do a panel a day, you've got a page a week and you've got 52 pages a year. That's two and a half comic books. If you release them in the 22 page format, that's a really good number. Like yeah. this is indie comics we're talking about here, you know? So um, I, I just like to bringing about 65 that up. as well, because the average page is four, four to seven panels. You there know? you go. So, yeah. See? Yeah. So yeah. if you really do the math on that, you're getting probably about 65 pages. That's, that's three, three that solid three comic comics. books a year. Yeah. 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 So th- the reason I like just bringing all this together is that the little bit of work that each of you do every day matters. And as long as you are doing that little bit of work, you're going to see big gains over time. And that's, that's huge. That's huge. So I think that's great, man. I, I think it's awesome. You had a you had a great week along those lines. So refreshing, dude. You you can't. Yeah. The amount of stress that I was feeling inside just because I wasn't getting those panels done every day, and like yeah. the artist block was continuing for a month. It was like, is this over? Do I not know how to draw anymore? <laughs> and um, you know, I was watching I was watching this one channel. It's it's kind of uh, it's it's relevant to to how I was feeling. And um, it was a couple of artists, and they were talking about the fact that um, the older you get, the harder this gets, because the more knowledge you consume. Mm -hmm. So when you're like when you're a child, you don't really think much about drawing. You just draw. You know, if you were Mm -hmm. an artist, right? Or when you're a young writer, you didn't think about the rules because you would just write because you you were in your emotions and you're writing out of your emotions and you know so you're writing and drawing from a different place when you're younger and as you get older you accumulate this data you this information that says you have to do it this way you have to do it that way so when you're throwing down your words you're throwing down your lines you're kind of second guessing is this the way i'm supposed to be doing it where there was just such a carefree nature about it beforehand mhm yeah totally totally um, so yeah, man, that's a that's a great start to to talking about your week here. So I have two major things to talk about 
they're arguably the same thing. But since they have different aspects, I think you'll see why I'm splitting them out. So for you, you're at a space where you're doing like a lot of great like tactile work. I am thinking a lot about my second novel right now. And where I am is in the infamous, you know, we've mentioned this casually, formally, directly, indirectly. I'm in the infamous cloud gathering space right now. I have to stop and think. And and here's here's what happens when you're kind of doing the pantser method, writing by the seat of your pants for a novel. You're exploring as you write the novel, which I am doing for the second novel. I, I get to a certain point. So in this case, the first two points are what I'm going to talk about within this kind of sub point. One, I get to the point where I realize there's a comic book inside my novel. There is a comic. And you, you're thinking to yourself like, okay, well, I now have to stop writing in this novel. And I have to think of what the fucking comic is. I need to think of the plot. I need to think of the basics of it, because otherwise, if I was going to ignore that and say, no, you'll fill it in later, then what you end up doing is you end up putting a whole lot of placeholders in that you may or may not flesh out soon, period, right? But the further you write with, like, put placeholder here, I think the harder it becomes to just go back and put in those placeholders. I actually find it easier to just think my way through the fucking thing now and then have it and then write that way. So I stopped and I said, what is this comic about? It doesn't need names or anything yet. It doesn't need whatever, but like, what, what is it? What, what's the plot in three paragraphs? And because this, this is a bit of a period piece, I, I, I thought of a comic that I think is really cool. In fact, my idea for the comic was cool enough to where I would consider doing a one shot. I would actually consider hiring an artist to do a one shot of this comic that accompanies the novel only because I like the idea for the comic so much. So that was that was like subpart number one of getting to this thing, flying by the seat of your pants until you realize like, whoa, 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 I have to do some thinking here because otherwise this first draft is just going to be laden with placeholders and I don't want placeholders. So I write a little further ahead, like two days worth. And then I get to another one of the leads in the novel, a female lead. You know, it's kind of an ensemble book. And I'm like, shit. I don't know enough about this female. So I got to stop. I got to stop again. And I got to brainstorm the female. So I took a little time. I'm like, okay, what's, what's her wants? What's her, you know, what does she do? What are her hobbies? You know, those kind of things and get that dialed down. And then I proceeded to write again. So in both of these cases, and you'll see in the next point too, although the angle of it is a little bit different, it was about stopping, dropping, shutting them down, <laughs> and then what is it opening up shop <laughs> yeah open up, yeah open up shop oh and then opening up shop right because that's how rough riders roll that's correct um, no it was it was actually it was actually about stopping and realizing that you have to do the formative basic thinking about this stuff the details can come later there are details that i can fill in later but what i don't want to do is fill the basics in later because the basics are going to drive the story you know, what this person does, what she does in her spare time, her hobbies, they drive the story. You know, what what the, the basics of this comic book are drive the story. And what was cool was by writing those three paragraphs about what this issue of a comic is going to look like, I was then able to drop that into the dialogue and have them say things like, you know, I'm just making this up, right? But like, I really like the way you drew the clown costume. 
instead of putting placeholder line about comic that character A says to character B. You know, again, this isn't Mad Libs, right? Like, I need to write this fucking novel, and it's better to have something there that I can change than have just a blank underline that I'm going to fill in later. So the common thread there was stopping and brainstorming and cloud gathering and then having it kind of come out in these details that I can then proceed forward with the novel. The next one, it's a little bit different, and that's why I'm going to give it its own thing. That's a great lesson for all of the, all of the listeners out there is if you want to move your story forward in an easier manner, make it easier on you, do that little bit of homework, you know, take the time to figure your character out before you move forward, because then the character will write the dialogue for you. You know, mm-hmm. the more you know about the character, the easier writing the story will be. Yeah, for sure. And then again, this this is a particular issue for those of you out there doing first drafts and you're sort of figuring it out as you go along. You're hacking through the dense forest. Just know that if you are subscribing to that way of writing a story, you're going to get this. You're going to just run into a thick, dense brush you can't cut through until you, you know, if we're continuing this jungle machete thing, until you take a moment and sharpen the machete again. And that sharpening is going to come in the form of thinking your way through whatever this detail, this element is that needs you to drive the story forward. Yeah. And I think another element of the Panzer method can unfortunately lead to a lot of cliché. Because you're just going to be writing um, just on instinct, and a lot of that comes from what came before. So if you read a lot, you're going to end up regurgitating a lot of stuff that you've read. Whether you know it or not, that's what's going to be happening. But if you do that extra effort, and this applies to not only novels and, 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 you know, like prose books, but it, it... totally applies to comic books so making sure to do that little bit of homework on your characters at least like let's say you're using the panzer method for the story that's one thing but these characters have to be fully formed to a degree in order for you to write the story in a way that isn't cliche because Mm -hmm. the less you know about them then you're just throwing shit in there so let's let's figure it out um it's a great way to and let's let's put this on the drawing side of it before you start drawing your story, and I am 100% guilty of this, it is great to have those character worksheets. Have those character sheets before you start your story, if possible, because it's going to inform you what this character looks like as you're drawing it. Um, A lot of times I don't do it. It's a huge flaw in my game. I just love jumping into the story and going like reading the script or kind of thinking the script over and going like, yeah, okay, I know where this is exactly going. And then I just jump into it and I start drawing and I start drawing. And as the story goes on, the characters, okay, the hair is getting a little bit shaggier. Okay. Actually, like I like the nose looking this way more than I had it before. And Mm -hmm. so there's these adjustments that you start to make. And it's because as the story's going on, it's like you get more comfortable doing this character, but you see the character differently because of the actions that they're doing like their actions kind of inform their look to me personally as an artist it's just like Mm -hmm. no this character his hair wouldn't be so like and this is me talking about paradise hills because i sure as fuck did it like i had one one design of the character that i had done i i drew him one time and so in the beginning parts of the story his hair's a little a little clean it's like perfectly combed or whatever but as i'm drawing the story his hair is getting messier and messier and it's just like no that's uh, yeah the messier hair is the way to go that's who this character is so mm-hmm. the way i had started it wasn't exactly where i wanted the character to be so it's yeah. it's 
doing those character sheets are important, but it's also making sure you're doing more than just one shot of the character. Draw the character a few times. Make sure that's what the character looks like because you might find yourself changing it later on. And at that point, you have how many pages under your belt and you have to go back and either fix them or just kind of live with it. So... Uh, very helpful to do that pre-work before you start the real work. I did a character sheet for one of the creatures in in Paradise Hills, Hell and yeah. that was that was something that I'm missing. And it's another one of those pages where I got half of it done. You know, this this page happens to be a splash page. What needs to be uh, what needed to be figured out creature for this particular story. Um, I brainstormed about this with Ed like some weeks ago, maybe months ago at this point. And we're talking about getting into mythology and folklore from, um, you know, different different people's folk- folklore. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a Filipino element, there's a Mexican element to this story. So we're diving deep on stuff and just seeing what we can use and, and whatnot. And so I was looking over some of the options he sent me and I was just like, okay, I think this one is the way to go. And I just have to create my version of this. And um, so I took some time and uh, created that character sheet. And I drew it a couple of times. I took my own advice. And, um, you know, I was just like, yeah, this kind of looks standard. What can I do to it? And it was kind of, I just did one small thing, which was kind of bug the eyes out a little bit. And then I gave the head a little bit of a tilt. And And those two little things went from this creature looking kind of like a standard monster to a kind of like a weird tweaked out version of a monster. And that was kind of what I was looking for, for this particular character. And uh, yeah, it was, it unlocked many of things because I had two pages where this thing was going to be on. And once I had created that character sheet of that character, um, it just started flowing. You, you just doubled down on what you said, right? You, you do a character sheet and it makes the path clear. And I can particularly vibe to that. Because there are times where I will, I'll be in the early stages of any kind of story and then I will get the art back from the artist and it just unlocks a new dimension of something. And I'm like, I got to write it this way now. Like this changes the way I need to write it. Seeing this has made me understand what I want more, which is so cool because now you're, now you and the artist are having a conversation, you know, which is really neat. That's a true example of collaboration. You know what I mean? It's just and and not being so proud of what you had written and the artist throwing something down and, and you're like, well, that's not exactly what I wrote. You know, it's it's you going like, OK, what what are they bringing to the table? You're seeing it and you're like, yeah, let's run with that. That's and it open instead of closing your mind off to new things and just going, no, my shit, my shit. You yeah. saw it and you're like, dude, this is really cool. How can we use this? And it, it kind of changes things up in the most positive kinds of ways. Yeah, and and goes back to a theme, a, a refrain of mine, which is if if you're a writer and you're working with an artist, let that person be an artist already. Let them inspire you. Don't just ask them to execute your vision. And if they stray from your vision a little bit or see it differently, you t- try to corral them over to your vision. It's meant to be a back and forth, you know, where you guys are kind of building on each other, whether or not that's a paid arrangement or not. It doesn't matter. Right. You can still be inspired by their stuff, um, even if you're, you know, especially if you're paying the artist to do so. So. All right. So to get back into my second thing, which, again, just stays on this idea of character work, a lot of the same stuff. Um, This time it was the villain. And what particularly spurred it on was I wrote a scene. 
And the scene was fine. It was fine. This second novel has heavy doses of memoir. It, it, it's based on, on things in my life. And because of that, when I wrote this particular scene, it came off rather dry. You know, like, it's it's fine. It's an interesting little scene. It's the kind of thing that people would live and not have much of an issue with. But you're not living this. You're reading it. And I need something extra. And um, I'm kind of combining the thing in the back of my head with this scene with the notes that I got from my last novel workshop where they were saying like one person had a great note and they said, uh, after 60 pages, pages, I'm still not sure what your novel is about. And, and my, my response to him at the time was, I'm not sure what it's about either. I'm figuring it out as I go along, (laughs) but once I figure it out, I will go back. Yeah. I will, (laughs) I will go back and make this stuff line up better. I'll make the soldiers line up a little bit more in a marching formation. Well, after after even writing this scene, which is, you know, probably a good 85 pages in, I really thought to myself, like, you know, the villain has to be defined now. Because what I need is I need the villain element somewhere here in this story to fuck things up a little bit. These scenes are going way too smoothly, and I need the villain here to start fucking shit up. So I did another timeout and started really thinking about the villain and I'm going to be have to I'm going to have to be very delicate about this cuz you know how I am with like ideas and inspiration and stuff but let's just say that I was thrilled because what I wanted was a very particular research book. I, I, I did the whole like LeVar Ball thing. I tried to speak it into existence. I was like, here's the thing I want. I want a book that is very similar to a fictional book. I want a book in real life that's very similar to a fictional book. I will tell you what it is offline, dude. Um, and, and like, wouldn't it be great if something like that actually existed? I started to look it up and God damn it if it doesn't. In fact, the crazy <laughs> thing about the forward is that in the forward by the author, they reference the same book that I said, wouldn't it be cool if that existed? They thought the same thing and then created the real world version of that book. Oh, wow. So I am using that for heavy elements of research that are going to inspire my villain. And as a result, in my quote unquote writing time every day for the last couple days, um, that's all I've been thinking about. I've just been thinking about that. And so we're in this weird spot where my writing time is not resulting in a single word getting written down because I'm just researching because I've put the novel on pause to do this crucial, crucial character work. And, and what I can tell is it's getting closer. It's like, it's, it's like that when you're staring at those paintings and you wait for the other painting inside the painting to appear like in mall rats, right? Like those oh, 90s yeah. things, right? I could never and do those, by the way. I was so shitty at those, dude. Yeah, I was terrible at those things. Um, and not then once, so at not some once point, have I seen the sailboat not once. Oh, dude i've done it i've done it. It, it but it takes a while i'm just like sitting there like a fucking idiot you know so <laughs> it, yeah dude it's hard right I, I mean the people who get it quickly i'm like my god what kind of savant are you you know yeah um but as i can tell it's getting closer and closer and all of it is the work i'm doing on this villain and this i mean i can't understate it we are talking about a very long book of research i'm doing and i am reading it cover to cover and I'm not going to have a firm thought about my villain until I read it cover to cover. But it's getting there. It's getting there. And as a result, as the villain is now starting to crystallize, I am now able to go back to some of these scenes. Because I'm, I'm 80, 90 pages in. 
And I could keep writing. I could just keep saying, no, God damn it, you're going to write two pages a day, hell or high water. But then I'm just going to have to edit more pages. And this is learning from experience. Because if I don't have a full, if, if by, by having a fully formed villain soon, by putting my novel on pause and making sure my villain is fully formed in my brain, this allows me to then stop and go back to the beginning of the novel and rewrite these first 80 or 90 pages lightly so that I have a clear thing of the villain now. If I didn't do that, then, and I just kept writing, then what happened in my first novel, this was a true thing. I ended up changing so much in the first third of the novel when I rewrote, I don't know, my fourth draft or something like that, that I got to about a point right after, not far after the first third, and I realized like, wait a minute, not a single bit of this novel makes sense anymore. I have to rewrite the whole thing. And that's why I ended up throwing away so many words because for every tiny little thread you sever or you change, you are cutting off your previous end of the novel from the current beginning of the novel. And at some point, it just, it did the mythical California earthquake and just fell into the sea, right? Like it it had no connection to my novel anymore. So I want to prevent that from happening now so I don't just burn a whole lot of words to brag about doing, you know, I'm not writing words to write words. I'm here to make a novel. So stopping and really putting the work into this villain is great. And I'm so thrilled that I found like the exact resource that I wanted that I didn't even know existed that I spoke out loud and it turned out it actually existed. Yeah. And and by taking these extra days, like, and quote unquote, losing the two to four day, four pages that you would have written in those days, you're saving yourself countless hours that you would have went back and done all of those corrections, reread everything, try to insert things into certain areas and go like, well, does that flow? Like, does it make sense now? And and so there's so many things that could have taken place if you just continued to write without hesitation and go like, yeah, I'll figure that out later. And like you said, you'll waste so many countless words by doing something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, that ended up being a really killer segment on character work that's going to end up being our main topic. That's sort of all I had this week. What else did you have? So, yeah, it was a really productive week. So I'm going to just keep going. I have a couple yeah. more things. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to do some studying. So early on in the week, I was looking at the female form. Um, I was grabbing some photos online and just kind of dis- distilled those images. Like I was taking people walking. Um, so I was doing guys and girls for that. I, I took uh, a little bit of everybody on that. and uh, But then there were pictures of uh you know, like I looked up models, I looked up uh, K-pop stars, I looked up um, uh, martial artists, uh, female martial artists. So I was just doing a bunch of research and uh, character study, essentially. So I wanted to make sure that I was able to distill those pieces down to just basic forms. And, uh, you know, just to sharpen my tools a bit. Like, like the more you do that, the more you take the time and effort to just do some studying, uh, you know, it'll just help your art so much. And, and, you know, I feel like that's paying off and, you know, when drawing these characters, it's like, okay, well, I'm distilling them down to the most basic form that I can. And, uh, it's, I think it's helping me get through these pages a lot quicker. Um, another thing is I sent all the Kickstarter surveys out for uh, second shift 13 
So all the Kickstarter surveys have been sent out, and most of them are back. So I sent out the digital rewards. So everyone's digital rewards should be to you. So if you back the Kickstarter, check your uh, email that you provided for me on the survey or you can look in the inbox, in your inbox on Kickstarter itself, and I've also sent the link there. So you can download it either way, and uh, I hope you're reading them, and I hope you're enjoying the books, or book or books, depending on which uh, tier you backed. Hell yeah, man. That's great. That's a, that's a whole lot of shit. Like you said, that's a, that's a pretty goddamn productive week. Oh, and I'm not um, done. I got one you're more. You're not thing. done. Keep going. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. So on, on float on. on the um, business side of it, not the so much the creative side. Um, I was contacting all of these different companies that I'm doing business with. One of them is for the uh, slipcover for the second shift book, so that I just went and did on my own. I thought I raised enough to where financially I could afford to do it on my own. We did not raise enough to give it out for free. So that's why it was one of the stretch goals that we did not hit that. Um, but I had enough to where I thought, hey, I can make these myself and then just uh, have them as add-ons or when I do the next Kickstarter. Or, you know, I even put in the most recent update that if you want one, just let me know. And, you know, for 10 bucks, I can include it with your package. So um, I had a couple of people do that. So they contacted me and they wanted to add the slipcase. So that was cool. And uh, But it'll definitely be in the next Kickstarter as a major part of the Kickstarter. It'll be like one of the most basic tiers that you can get. It'll be the book included with that. Um, and I talked to my printer, speaking of books, and I emailed him today. And he got back. He said the books will be sent out today. Still no confirmation slip, but I have a feeling that'll be coming in the next couple of hours. Um, we had a weird snafu where I sent him the email with all the links, with the covers at the appropriate size, the print as the, at the appropriate size. And for some reason, he only got the trading card link in that email, which was completely bizarre. He sent me a screen cap. And so I was a little dumbfounded by it, but got those over to him and um, those covers are in production and they should be uh, done tonight and hopefully I'll see them in a couple of days right on time for Phoenix Fan Fusion. I can pack everything up um, that needs to go into that box and then I can actually send out a few of these Kickstarters before I leave for Arizona. Which serves as a great segue. We may or may not do a plug at the beginning of this episode, um, but hey, this is airing on Monday, May 29th. We are in Phoenix, baby. So your boy, Scott Lost, your esteemed guest star, Gary Hodges, and your boy, Keith Foster, are going to be in Phoenix this weekend, which is, um, what is that, June 2nd through the 4th? Yes. June 2nd through the 4th. And because I am, in fact, being in two places at once, I've got two tables in the same weekend, so I am double-double dipping. Um, I've got a family member rocking my booth on Friday and Saturday while I do Phoenix Fan Fusion, and then I am jet-setting back to Pasadena, back home, and I'm going to do the Sunday at Monster Palooza. So, hey, I hope to see you in one place or even both places if you're the kind of daring person. Dude, if I see you in both places, I'm going to give you something cool. I don't know what the fuck <laughs> it is, but I'll give you something cool, man, if you're if you're that hardcore. So anyway, um, yeah, Hand man. job. <laughs> I... I no it's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> it, it's cool for the receiver <laughs> return to mike keith doing the next episode <laughs> all right uh so hey was that everything i i keep on yeah I keep that's on asking that is that. everything yes okay 
Okay, cool, cool. So, hey, as predicted, we're, you know, we're a good ways in. And I know I have a fair amount of bullshit, and I think you do too. So, again, the character work's going to serve as the main topic. I think we we touched on that for a while. And let's get into some bullshit. Um, you want me to go first? I kind of have yeah, two man. separate segments of bullshit. So that probably makes more sense, right? Yeah, do it. You go first. All right, I'll go first. So the first thing I want to talk about is is a very, very momentous occasion, which is my unretirement from the mosh pit, Mr. Scott Lost. Oh, shit. Because when I went to the Black Dahlia murder show... Okay, let me let me set the scene a little bit. Let me set the scene. Anybody who's ever been to a show at a, at a House of Blues in the last two years will know that the House of Blues have does have done something that's like super douchey, and that is they they have blocked off the entire upper area for you to upgrade to VIP tickets. So if you want a good upper level seat, you're going to have to pay double, triple, quadruple what your general admission ticket is. Oh wow. I think it's preposterous, right? Because yeah. as I'm watching the crowd fill up from the lower level, I'm looking at this upper level where there is fucking nobody, right? And the coolest thing about the Black Dahlia Murder Show for me was that it was five good bands, fucking five. That is why I love death metal so much and extreme metal. Like, you get five great bands for fucking $30 sometimes, you know? Although, unfortunately, that means I'm not going to go to a show for months because a lot of the bands I wanted to see were on the same goddamn tour, you know? But um, it's all good. So uh, I, I enjoyed that. And um, so I show up, and I am the kind of person that's punctual, and, and if the first band's worth a shit, I want to see him. So... The floor on the House of Blues, the pit, whatever you want to call it, was very open for the first band. And it was like a starter pit. Like, there were a couple people kind of moving around, whatever. Well, for the second band, which was Fuming Mouth, the pit got really serious really fast. And people started to show up. So I... You know, for those of you that are familiar with mosh pits, there's a big empty oval where people sort of run around either in a circle or they slam into each other. And then there is what I like to call the wall of the pit, which are the people that form the fucking wall of the pit. So for Fuming Mouth, I was on the wall. Um, and, you know, it's a good way to get contact without getting too much contact. I mean, I'm 51. I can't really fuck around with too much contact. Right. Or so it would yeah. seem, Scott. Or so it would seem. So then what happens is, um, you know, other people might thirst for contact more. So a guy nudged in next to me. He was like, can I get here? And I'm like, sure. Because he wanted to be the wall of the pit. And he, you know, when you're the wall of the pit, you kind of like, you know, block people a little bit. You push mm. them along. You shove them along. And you even encourage them to kind of keep moving. So this guy, what he did was he stepped out into the pit and then he would take all the hits so the good news is i was safe the bad news is i didn't get any kind of like even remote pit action because he was sort of steering the direction of the pit right so i enjoyed that i actually got to groove to fuming mouth which you know for death metal they're pretty groovy they have a lot of like breakdowns and stuff slow parts in other words um so then i had already had one beer and i I go to the bar after Fuming Mouth for my second beer, which was going to be my final beer of the night for um, for the band. One of the bands I was really looking forward to. The headliner was Black Dahlia Murder, and they were amazing. But Frozen Soul was the third band, and I love the band Frozen Soul. So I I get my beer and I turn around and I'm like, "Where's a good place to see this band?" The fucking place had been packed, dude. You know, so you've got the floor and then you've got these raised kind of wings that are maybe like three feet elevated off the floor max. And they have railings and then the bars are on the side. I'm sitting there going like there is not a single good vantage point here. So I look around. Where's the best vantage point, Scott? The fucking pit. So I'm like, 
I'm going back. So I nudge in with my beer and the band Frozen Stall starts starts playing and I've still got half a beer. And I'm like, dude, if I don't chug this beer, I'm losing it because somebody's going to slam into me. I'm like, boom, down that shit, right? The guy next to me, he still has like three quarters of a beer. A person just cranks into him full speed and he he was so mad that he spilled his beer he actually chucked the rest of the beer at the guy and doused the guy <laughs> in beer so anyway so that so you knew frozen soul was going to be like a big deal right so then what happens is a bunch of other people nudge they want to get on the wall of the pit again because i find myself in the wall of the pit because it's the only place where i can see the goddamn band you know i mean i'm tall but the the sight lines still kind of suck so I find myself slowly getting nudged off the wall. So now I am one group of people back, one row back from the wall, which isn't that big a deal, except more and more people are packing in for, for Frozen Soul. We're getting closer and closer to the headliner here. You know, Terror was next and Terror was amazing. And then after that was Black Dahlia Murder. So I end up I end up getting nudged out and then Frozen Soul's going through their set. They have maybe two songs left. And all of a sudden the pit just gets out of control. And what happens is like... The people that are circling around in the pit, everything's fair game. You know, like I caught so many elbows to the stomach and chest by being on the wall. It's just, I mean, it's like playing physical basketball, you know, like as, as and I'm a big guy. So by being a big guy, I sort of have to bang down low. Like that's, that's part of being a big guy. You're going to get run into, you're going to get bumped a lot and you're going to have to do some bumping. So it wasn't that different really. But, but when I was on the second row of the pit, here's the problem. People started kind of like, chucking them chucking hurling their bodies into the wall of the pit and those people would get propelled backward into me like i actually almost fell down three times from the wall of the pit like kind of collapsing toward me and i bit i'd been keeping my eye on the pit and keep in mind the second beer had kicked in pretty solid now and i'm like you know the safest place is in that pit i'm gonna go i'm gonna go get in that pit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so that's what I did for the last five minutes of Frozen Soul. I fucking ran around in the pit. I was the one running into people along the walls and letting them push me along. It was fucking great, man. It was a that's good awesome, time. Man. It was a good time. I felt I felt so good. Uh, and I didn't get hurt, obviously. Um, because, again, I felt like it was just safer there. It's safer to be the one running into other people. And I'm, I'm not going to be a dick about it, as opposed to being run into. You know? Right. Um, the one thing is that, boy, is that good cardio. Ask anyone who's ever been in a circle pit, dude. That is insane cardio. And when the set ended, I was huffing and puffing for like 10 minutes afterwards. It was crazy, you know, and uh, and I'm not in terrible shape, you know, like I'm not in God awful shape, but I was still, I mean, you're just running full speed in a fucking circle, just running into people, you know? So anyway, it was a, it was a good time for the next two bands. I knew I, you know, you know, when your time is done, you get the fuck out of there and you find a decent vantage point. And that's what I did for the final two bands. But you know, I had, I had officially unretired. So after after 30 years of being out of the pit, I was happy to say that I jumped back in there and I uh, survived the experience. Hell yeah, man. Uh, the I did, I think I've done like two mosh pits in my entire life, maybe even one. And I remember it was cool because like we're all slamming into each other and I was like, initially I was taking it personal and then like something happened that made me realize, oh, this isn't personal at all. It yeah. was like my glasses flew off. And the guy that bumped me, he's like, oh, man, are you okay? He's like, your glasses are over there. And he, like, helped me get them. And yeah. I was just like, oh, that was cool. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, oh, right on. Cool. And then so it was just, like, a good time after that. Um, 
And that was the first time I had ever been in one. And I think I was um, uh, in my teens at some point. Um, but I was basically raised in like at heavy metal shows because my brother yeah. was in a heavy metal band when I was growing up. And so like he's the eldest, I'm the youngest. So I was just like, I don't know, like 11 to 13, something like 10 to 13 or something like when I was going to to shows with him. And like to the point where I was so used to heavy metal, like at one point I took a nap like on a couch that happened to be at one of the, the shows he was working. <laughs> and yeah. so like these people were like, Hey, there's just a like, kid passed out right here. Is he okay? <laughs> and, and like, they're like, yeah, he seems fine. <laughs> so like, yeah, they just leave exactly. me alone, you know? Party on. And, yeah. Yeah, man. It was like when you're raised around heavy metal, it's just, it's not even a thing. You're just like, yeah, yeah, this is what it is. Totally. Um, so I've been doing some buying. I've been doing a lot of online researching uh, for books, like one title that I'm not going to say. Um, I managed to knock one off the list, uh, one of many off of the list. So I got one at a, a very reasonable rate. Like we had talked about in previous pods, I'm not going over 30. It's mm-hmm. like, it's got to be in the somewhere around like 30 and under is, is my price point right now. So I got one for 25 bucks. I was pretty psyched about that. And, um, just like watching other YouTube channels, I came across and, and I've known about them and, um, I hadn't gotten any, but one of my cousins is in Japan right now. And she picked me up something. She's like, hey, do you want something while I'm here? I said, yeah. If you could find me an art book or or, some, or a, a manga or anything by Katsuhiro Otomo. He's the person that created Akira. I have the Akira box set, so I don't need anything Akira. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So if you could find anything else by him while you're there, that would be dope. If you can't, not a big deal. Don't even worry about it. Mm-hmm. And so she sent me a picture. She's like, hey, I got you this. And I was like, oh, shit, cool. And um, so it was one of the, it's like the Otomo, the complete works. He has a series called the complete works and I forgot what number she got me. Um, But since that, that came in for me, I was like, okay, well now I have to look for other ones. It just opened up the floodgate. You know, I do love Otomo. Yes. Yeah. So it's just another thing that I'm looking for. And uh, so I managed to get number, uh, the complete works number eight, which has like, domu in it which is another one of his books that is pretty Mm -hmm. hard to get and uh so yeah so i got one for 35 bucks free shipping and like on average this is a 50 50 book a 50 book maybe higher plus shipping so i was psyched i was like that is a great price it was 45 45 or best offer with the free shipping and i was like fuck it let me try 35 four dollars (laughs) <laughs> just completely <laughs> lowball them and there you go completely. bitch yeah <laughs> but hey it was 10 bucks off of their asking price and i wasn't sure if they were going to do it and they did it yeah. so i was super yep. psyched about that that's the that for me that was the big pickup that's awesome um shit man i got a lot to talk about this week so i might as well go right into this too i have also started i don't i don't know how i don't know how i got here but but the floodgates have also opened for me I wish I knew how. I think I think what happened was a couple things actually fell into my price range and I felt good, you know? So a couple of those things have come back um, and one of them actually showed up today. So instead of talking about the stories about getting them, I'm going to wait till they'll show up and then I'll talk about the stories of getting them. So that, Ooh, my friend... that's a nice one. It's Fantastic 486. Uh, another one of these... Oh, here. Oh, another one of these really cool, like, oversized Doc Doom and kind of Latveria um, covers. 
uh, very cool kind of part of this, you know, whatever it is, the the 16th through the 19th appearance of Doctor Doom, which is fantastic for, I believe it's 84 through 87. Um, so, so yeah, I got this. Um, it's a pretty nice condition copy and, uh, and I got it for a good price. I can't remember. It, I mean, I know I got it for 31 or something like that. I know that, uh, it was one of those, you know, it was probably about a 40 or best offer kind of thing. And I think I put it in for 31. The person was like, sure. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and, and I know I'm going to wait for them to show up next week. But I also just won a series of auctions that I can talk about when they show up. But oh, the sweet. other thing, I, yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about um, was was this thing that just showed up. Um, I don't mind talking about this. You know, I'm usually Bernie Wrights and illustrations by Bernie Wrights. So this is Cycle of the Werewolf by Stephen King and Bernie Wrightson. It wow. is a short story by Stephen King with all kinds of fucking it, it goes month by month and it just has all kinds of killer ass illustrations by Bernie Wrightson throughout the book. That's cool. It's not quite a comic book, but my God, there's just so much cool shit in here, you know, and it just it feels like every two or three oh, pages yeah. you just get nice. dope Bernie Wrightson shit. Again, it's a very uh, thin book. You can see it from It's about there. the size of a graphic novel, the thickness of it. Yeah. Like 80, probably about 100. 90 pages. Yeah. 100, oh, okay. It looks 128 pages. It says. There we go. Yeah. 128. Okay. That, that's what I was going to um, guess it at being 128. Yeah. Nice. I thought you, that would have been fucking impressive as hell if you said that well, first. I, I was going to, but you said 90, and I was like, 90? Um, yeah. I was going to say 128 because that's the size of my first trade. So mm-hmm. I know I know that particular thickness. That's how thick mine is, Keith. <laughs> the fact that you can see that through <laughs> Zoom is even more impressive. I have a bit of a werewolf thing. Like you're super into him? Like, like a furry thing? Oh, I mean, look, I'm not going to say I'm not. Hmm keep that door open but uh, yeah i'm keeping i'm gonna keep the door open (laughs) that song is about werewolves believe it or not the bruno Mm -hmm. mars anderson pock song it's about leaving the door open for werewolves uh true true story but i I think i think there might be a future werewolf story in me somewhere and so it's the kind of thing it's one of these background kind of background cosmic radiation ideas that i just find myself drawn to cool werewolf shit and maybe that'll turn into its own interesting take on werewolves that i do sometime in the future so i have more shit to talk about though do you have anything else before i just launch into even more bullshit yeah do it okay so i i have not mentioned through this entire episode that uh, I just got back a couple days ago from Ava, from one of my older twins' college graduations. And it was awesome. It was awesome to watch my kid graduate college and to be celebrated. And to ha- like, she had a whole lot of cheers in the audience. You know, it's a small school. She went to Wagner College on Staten Island. Um, but it was, it was just so neat to see the outpouring of love for her from her friends and from her friends' parents even. Like, they adore her. And I thought that was so cool. So, number one, the best part was celebrating my kid, you know, and um, and yelling like a fucking lunatic when she got called so she could cross that stage, you know. And um, so that was, that was thing number one. That was amazing. But since we were there, we did some other shit. And um, well, so one of the things I, I want to I just give a couple high points, which I want to mention... We we landed on a Thursday. We took a red eye and landed on a Thursday morning. And we were leaving Saturday night. So we knew we had time. And it's like, you know, we, we definitely talked about wanting to go into Manhattan. 
But why go into Manhattan on the Thursday when we might be able to go into it like the Saturday, our final day or something like that? So what we did was we went to the Jersey Shore instead. We ended up hanging out with my cousin. I met my cousin for dinner and we did a couple other things as well. I went back to Jay and Silent Bob's comic shop. Oh, Secret Stash, right? Yes, Secret Stash. I actually, I had gotten some comics last time in the indie section that I liked so much that I wanted to see if they were still there. And a lot of them, other issues were there and I bought them. And next episode, we're actually going to talk about, as our bullshit, we're going to talk about just some great indie comics or comics that we've been reading recently. And that's going to like constitute the entirety of the bullshit section, I think. I mean, we can always have more. It's it's our show. But more importantly, I got a cup of fucking Rook coffee, which I have mentioned before. That is my favorite fucking coffee shop in the United States. It is Mm -hmm. so good. It's like a localized chain there on the Jersey Shore, kind of in the North Jersey Shore area. So fucking good, man. I just had like, a, it, they, they say all their shit's like single origin. So I had a single origin Costa Rican roast, um, medium roast. Fuck, it was so good. And Rachel and Alyssa were, were with me and I had hyped it up so much. And they're like, well, let's see what this fuss is about. And then they like early on, they begrudgingly said like, well, that was pretty good. And then all of a sudden <laughs> later, and it got better the further we got away from it. They're like, yeah, that coffee was pretty good. I was like, I fucking told you. You know, you just, I know, I know, I know you were inclined to think that it wasn't that great and I was overselling it, but like, I told you, man, it's the shit, you know, it's a, it's a good thing that that's not around here. Cause I just, I wouldn't even make my own coffee in the morning. I just go to Rook every fucking morning. It's so good. On Saturday, we decided that, so, uh, my wife wanted to take some photos of Ava in her graduation shit around town. And, uh, and so we just kind of, we took the ferry over, landed at like Battery Park and then stayed in like lower Manhattan. And so before I get to a couple, like just random things, right? New Yorkers are so fucking badass, man. Like my kid got congratulated so much. She got into like conversations with strangers and they were just like, congratulations, you know, and, and she struck up conversations with them. It was just so dope. Going back to the East Coast reminds me why I'm so proud to be from the East Coast. I just, you know, I, I love living on the West Coast. Um, but man, it's it's great to go back and just kind of get reacquainted with the you from from previous times, right? So number one, I just want to bring up that New York City bathrooms are still the undisputed kings of stank. <laughs> nothing, nothing on this planet is fouler than public bathrooms in New York City, okay? Oh, I believe it. The Staten Island Ferry, I went into that bathroom and it was like, gawk! <laughs> like, it was so fucking terrible. And, and, you know, like, the Penn Station bathroom is actually my go-to for jankiest bathroom in the country. Like, that is my, <laughs> that is the gold standard. But Staten Island Ferry came pretty close on the Staten Island side. I was surprised. And then the other thing about the Staten Island Ferry was that we were, so we're walking up. And from a distance, you hear this, like, Fuck! kind of thing and you're like what's going on there well we get closer and turns out that I was you know there was a transient I guess sitting there and just sitting like close to the entrance he was just going like fuck so we get closer and then like I think I did I think I did what anybody would do dude I sat next to him and I started cursing Doc Rivers so that's what you're <laughs> supposed to do right like like I get it this guy's a Sixer fan he understands me you know he's and, broken down mentally exactly <laughs> he's broken down mentally I'm broken down mentally my heart is a dark place I'm so glad that we had the time in between episodes for me to get over this excruciating soul-crushing loss in game six that then turned into the exact thing that I expected in game seven the exact thing I told I told friends that history tells me the sixers are going to lose this game by 30 we lost by 24. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I, I hate it when I'm right, but, like, you have to be a Philadelphia fan to understand what being a Philadelphia fan is. And uh, Atiba, our mutual friend, he got it. You know, you remember we were sitting in that, um, in the in the brewery and... Society, yeah. Yeah, society. And we were, the Sixers were down 2-1. And, and I, I don't know, we were saying something. I'm like, Scott, I know this series isn't over. And you're like, how? And I'm like, because the Sixers aren't done with me. They have to, they have to get my hopes up first. So that the kick in the nuts hurts that much worse. They got my hopes up and the kick in the nuts was excruciating. It still hurts, dude. It still hurts. Um, so anyway, so, but that homeless guy speaks for all of us. Um, yeah. And then the... the well, the, I'm still in the midst of mine. Um, so the Lakers are down 0-3. And I have not wanted not to over. talk. Oh, it's over. It's over. It's, historically, it's over. Historically, it's over. And... Yeah. and Emotionally, it's over. Everything says that it's over. Um, so I've removed myself. I'm still debating if I'm going to watch the game tonight. Uh, it's game four. Um, so the Lakers can either take this one or lose and get swept. And um, just mentally, I'm just like, yeah, I'm I'm over it. It's done. It's over. So like, what makes me want to watch this? And they take this game, okay, and then they're what? They're going to come back and they're going to lose the next game? You know, even if they win two in a row, they're not going to win three in a row. They're not going to, definitely not going to win four in a row. So it's just like a matter of time before it's over. So it's like, do I even want to invest any energy into it? And my mind says no. Like, I'm in right. such a good place creatively. Why put myself through it? Why yep. Why watch one more win, you know, and be stressed yep. out? like every single game after that, you know, and who's to say we're even going to get this one win, how poorly we've played these first three games. So, um, yeah, I'm fucking over this season. Um, I'm hearing rumblings that they might engage Kyrie drop D'Lo, get Kyrie. And I'm like, great. Yeah. He can, he, he can score buckets when you need him to score buckets. And that is something that we needed in these playoffs, but the headache that he causes is just like it's too much it's like yeah and then and then on top of that we have an aging lebron and so he's been a machine the majority of his career but he's in year 20 so he's just going to continue to break down as time moves forward ad has the body of someone that's played 20 years in in the league and so Mm -hmm. does Kyrie. so (laughs) we'll have the most injury prone big three that there is and it's just like I'm not excited about that. I'm not. I love that Kyrie's a Kobe guy, but he's also um, um, a complete flake, <laughs> a, a complete flake and a cuckoo. So it's yeah. just like, yeah, it's cool. You like Kobe, but I don't like a lot of the other things about you. So yeah, I don't exactly, you know, I love that you can get un- uh, Uncle Drew buckets whenever you want them. I love that. Yeah. But who's to say when you're going to be on the court and who's to say when you're going to show up just just because you have some there's something going on in the world that you don't like so you decide right. to not show up for work it's like bro yeah like if someone works at denny's like i can see them not showing up because they get paid 15 dollars an hour yeah but you get paid uh uh hundreds of thousands <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars every time yeah. you show up to work so there's a fucking huge difference so yeah um yeah man i'm just kind of like in a whatever space and it's like is my time better served to just drawing more pages and panels of paradise hills i think it is yeah. So yeah. maybe I'll have the game on for a quarter, and if I see that they're struggling in the first quarter, I'm going to turn it off. Um, yeah. If they're doing good in the first half, maybe I'll watch the second half. But yeah. that's that's where I am. Yep. I get, dude. I didn't. I did not watch. I'm proud to say 
that I did not watch one second of Game Seven, not one second. Yeah, I remember you telling me because I knew, you know, yeah. and and my heart hurts. In fact, when I was going to pick up my beer today at Lazy Dog, you heard Celine a- Dion come over this the speaker because <laughs> you knew that your heart would in fact go on. My heart. And, I don't. Beer. I don't know if my heart will go on from the Sixers because they they had a so they have all those TVs at Lazy Dog and they had ESPN up and they they had something. I don't know what the context was, but Vince Carter was talking and it said Sixers will win Joel Embiid a title next year. And I was like, you know what, man, fuck you, Vince Carter. <laughs> just you you go fuck yourself, okay? I I don't want to hear it. I don't. I just don't. I'm. It hurts. It just it sounds and it sounds like Harden's gone. It sounds like he's going back I don't to care. Houston. It's fine. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing, right? He just really loves the strip clubs over there. He has there's way better strip clubs him. in Houston. I don't apparently than in Philly. I yeah. I mean, okay. Here's here's my deep thought about the NBA that I need to think more about. Is it is it about your top couple guys anymore? You know, like you just talked about the Lakers making a big three. Are we sure big three is the thing? Like a big three won in the 2010s, and it hasn't since. Like, I don't want it's one. about a team. Miami is going to make the fucking finals because they have undrafted free agents that are balling the hell out, you know. And and the thing, the thing that the Sixers don't have right now. Now, okay, look, Harden did it in games one and four. In fairness, but you're paying Harden a pretty petty for the fact for for the for the that thing. We we don't have nuclear scoring. Right. I think I think what propelled you guys through the first two rounds of the playoffs were these lightning rods off the bench that came in and just gave you like a quick blast of nuclear scoring. Miami in this series against Boston has been nothing but nuclear bench wing scoring. You know, one of the reasons that the Clippers and Celtics are so built for the modern NBA is because they have 10 guys who can just drop a little quick nuclear Vinny the microwave moment here. And it's like, yeah. that's what I don't see with the Sixers. The reason we stomped them in a past life in game five was because Tyrese Maxey displayed that nuclear ability. So if Harden wants to go, go, you know, like we'll, we'll figure it out, you know, but, but it feels like, I mean, it feels like firing doc was deck chairs, but then again, maybe doc, I mean, I don't know. Eric Spolstra seems to know how to drop a play in a key moment and doc doesn't. Anyway, I didn't want this to turn into the six or stuff, but you know, who knows? Who knows? I I mean, that's that's a great analysis, I think. And it's the same thing with the Lakers, like you were saying, we had those nuclear scoring moments, but that's what's missing in this series is our bench guys have done nothing. You know, like yeah. like Austin Reeves is the only one producing. Rui's, Rui's producing as well, but mm-hmm. D'Lo is, has been a huge disappointment, and w- yep. w- which sucks because I think that might lead to him not getting re-signed next year. Um, yeah. Unless he takes a steep discount, which I hope he does, because I love D'Lo, and I think he's still he's still really young. I think he's only twenty five. So it's like, yeah, give him more time. You know, like he can develop into a good player. I mean, look at Jokic. Jokic has been terrible in the last two um, uh, playoffs, um, mm-hmm. two previous years, I should say, and and then this year was the year he's finally breaking through. They so are now just the like, heavy favorites to win the title. Heavy oh, I, I have no doubt know? in my mind that. The, the Nuggets are going to win the title. I, I happen to think they will, too, because my I think Miami's going to run out of fairy dust in the finals, you know, but... Yeah, totally. We'll see. Hey, yeah. man, my artist Tony Gregory's thrilled. Like, he's he's thrilled. He's a huge Heat fan. Oh, Heat so, guy. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, Duncan fan. Robinson actually earning his contract in the playoffs here because he sure hasn't 
Yeah, this S- whole since he is got so weird. since he signed on that dotted line, he like it was like he took that money and stayed put. He didn't even yeah, run. Yeah. <laughs> but but if you earn it now, like this was my argument with Ron Artest with the Lakers. He sucked all year and then he won you the title in Game Seven. Like that contract yeah. is worth it. It's yep. worth it. He yeah. he stepped up in the in the couple games that mattered, and you got a title for it. So you know that's kind of what Duncan Robinson's doing right now. It's kind of wild. Yeah, true. You know? um, okay, so I want to do one one final thing from from New York before I I we we roll on out here, which is I want to talk about my rental car and why I will never ever buy a fucking Subaru Outback. Oh, okay. I thought we got a new sponsorship for a second. I was like, hey, no. we got sponsored. We got <laughs> we got an anti sponsor because I'm <laughs> yeah, never going to have go. a dude. Have you ever rode or driven, rode in or driven a Subaru Outback? No. Dude, when you get in, it scans your fucking eyes. And if you're not looking at the road, it, it, it beeps at you. It is a very angry car. It admonishes you. So it's like, look at the road. And it'll like, fla- the screen will flash green. And it'll like, you know, it'll, it'll say like, pay attention. And all this shit like that. Like, dude, it really sucks. It's really annoying. And you can, like you can be, you can be in bumper to bumper traffic and look to your left and just like, you know, try to merge and things like that. And it's like, look, you know, eyes on road, like that kind of shit. And you're like, hey, man, fuck you, man. <laughs> you I gotta know? change fucking lanes, asshole. You don't know how exactly. driving works. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's like, yeah, I, I got really tired of that shit. And it became a gag through the family. It's like the super is just admonishing me and I'm tired of it, <laughs> you know? So anyway, that's it. I just wanted to mention that, that uh, maybe there was a way to turn that off, but boy, is that annoying. Yeah, I hope so. That sounds fucking yeah. awful. Well, it was horrible. It all was right. Horrible. Well, that's anyway. a that's a good thing for you guys out there. If you want to rent one of those or buy one, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. Consumer Reports. That's our, there's our pro fucking tip. I bet you didn't expect that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like Report. for anybody Fuck who was nodding Outback. off. For anybody that was nodding off, there's like, wait a minute. They were just talking about basketball. How the hell did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? Indeed, people. How did exactly. We get here? Exactly. So, hey, let's let's wrap it on up. You can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. That is me posting just whatever, you know, art. Wait, what about your beer, though? Let's rate these beers first. Let's do that. Let's do that. All right. So we're going to rate these beers. Yes. Um, Harlan Brewing Company, Hazy IPA. It's an eight. I love Harlan Brewing Company. I love Hazy's. It's a solid eight. No complaints. Um, I got a buzz. Like right at the end of this episode, so six point yeah. five is the way to go on the empty stomach, and uh, yeah, we got there. I highly enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, five point five is also a way to go on an empty stomach because Figaro Mountain Brewing Company Cryotechnic Spectacular. I also give you an eight. I thought it was quite good, really, really enjoyable, really, uh, really drinkable. And um, as as with you, I got a nice little buzz um, through through things. You know, not not too bad, but uh, but yeah, good enough, good enough. Yeah. Um, a little go bit. ahead yeah throw throw out your handles all right you can find me at scott lost s-c-o-t-t-l-o-s-t on twitter and instagram and facebook.com forward slash scott lost um and you can find my books at accidentalaliens.com second shift minimum wage superheroes wanders of melisanda anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans and uh, a bunch of accidental alien anthologies uh seven 2017 18 and 19 are all there um, digitally and uh, physically if you want 2018 and 19 there are also there if you want uh, actual book delivered to your home and the tales from the mothership which is actually the 2020 anthology and this is more of a uh, post-apocalyptic anthology on that one so check those all out at accidentalaliens.com 
Yeah. And for me, you can find me on Instagram at Keith underscore Invader. That is me posting pictures of the books I write, some cool art from them, of course, and then whatever I'm doing in life, reading books, taking photos, whatever. Um, You can find my books at KeithRFoster.com. I have a web store there for Kadoja, which is Giant Monsters Meet HP Lovecraft. Three Protectors, which is Kung Fu in Space, and pre-orders are up for Animals Number 1, which is Animals Catch a Contagious Virus that Makes Them Want to Seek Revenge on Humans and Kill Them. So you can find all those at KeithRFoster.com. I mean, I get it. I do, too. I do, too. I mean, I, it's like, yeah. We deserve right. it. Fair we enough. deserve it. Yeah. We definitely, definitely ended a lot of species. Yeah. Um, and if you want to contact us at Making Comics Podcast and talk to us about the species that we've put into the ground that is now extinct, hit us up, Making Comics Podcast at Like gmail. the Doc River Sixers. Yeah, that's They're right. Ext- <laughs> or the Darvinham Lakers. Um, so hit us up, like Making Comics Podcast first? at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, and then in terms of podcast, you know, we we highly encourage you to go to Spotify podcast, to go to Apple podcast, and throw your boys five stars. Give us a uh, a few nice words if you can. It really helps. It helps expand the word. It helps bring this podcast um, into the feeds of more people that may be interested in it. Comic creators just like you, or people that like process podcasts. So. If, hey, if you have a chance, please, please go do that. It, uh, it really helps. See you guys next week. Yay, yay.